0: Welcome to another episode of James Bond and Friends. This week, James Bond learned from Melina Havelock that the word dilemma comes from a Greek word meaning a double proposition, as in, I have a dilemma for you and your sister.
1: Oh my God. Beginning
2: really?
0: really? I'm, I'm here through Thursday. Oh my so, God. They're, they're going to get worse as we go on with this. All right. This week, we are going to watch Casino Royale 1954, which I think is the least watched of the James Bond canon of James Bond fans. It's fair to say. Yeah. Mm.
3: Uh, I would actually take it a step further. It is the redheaded stepchild. This gets less love than even Casino Royale, 1967.
4: Mm. Okay, think, especially, especially by people who haven't seen it.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, there's a lot of fans out there who don't like it. We've never watched it. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do. Alrighty, So, um, This week we're joined by the usual crew, Bill, Card Sense, Phil Nobile Jr., Ben, David, Calvin, (laughs) and Lisa, would you like to introduce yourself, guys? Uh, I'm Bill Koenig and I run the blog
5: called The Spy Command. I'm Phil Nobile Jr., editor of Fangoria and am I six confidential subscriber? I gotta work on the bona fides. (laughs) (laughs) Can't contribute now. Hey. Uh,
6: Is my turn? Yes. Oh, hi, I'm Ben Williams. I write for MI6HQ.com and MI6 Confidential Magazine. I'm David Lee. I run the James
4: Bond dossier.com, and I also wrote uh, the complete guide to the drinks of James Bond.
7: I'm Calvin Dyson, and I have a YouTube channel under that name where I make review videos discussing all aspects of James Bond media, films, books, games, uh, all that stuff. And tonight, I'm drinking a very fruity, very crisp rosé. So, uh, Mm. cheers, everyone.
8: And I'm Dr. Lisa Funnell. I am the author of The Geographies, Genders, and Geopolitics of James Bond with Klaus Dodds, editor of For His Eyes, Only the Women of James Bond, and host of License to Critique, a podcast exploring gender in the world of James Bond and beyond. And I am drinking a little uh, twist on my classic vodka and apple juice, and I added some Perrier water to it. So I thought I'd oh. you know, just step outside of my comfort zone just a little mm-hmm. for today. Live a little. Uh, <laughs> Living a little with Perrier.
0: <laughs> Other mineral awarders are available. <laughs> Still trying to work on that sponsorship. <laughs> okay. Yeah,
8: Perrier will take you. I like Perrier. Yeah,
0: you know, we'll treat you better than the Brosnan films.
6: I'm drinking
4: it. I die. I, actually, I, I I actually live in a, an area where they um they, they produce mineral water. It's one of the best known mineral waters in Catalonia.
7: Ah, So it couldn't be easier for them then to <laughs> send you some to plug on this show. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. I have to have a word. <laughs> uh, I think that they're owned by Perrier as well, I think.
0: Yeah.
2: Aww.
0: The good news is um you don't have to part with your hard earned money to watch this because it's on YouTube. So Um, If you want to watch along with us, there will be a link in the description of this episode where you can watch the exact same version we are. And we have to be a little bit careful because um, MGM released a version that curtailed the ending, and that's the one that's most commonly distributed. Um, (laughs) But the version we're watching actually has the original ending intact.
7: Well, I was going to ask, actually, is it even possible to view this by, you know, let's say we're going to watch it on YouTube now, but... Is it available on any kind of disc or something? I, I don't yeah. know if I've ever seen it available yes. here.
5: It's a bonus feature on the 67 uh, Casino Rail. Oh, it Button is not the Yeah, But not the ending, because the ending was found later, is my understanding.
0: Well, um, our friends at um, Spy Guys, Lee Pfeiffer, licensed and released it, I think, in 97 on DVD with the ending. Ah. And then MGM later used a version without it. So, go figure.
3: Mm. Yeah, and you way can to tell- go, MGM. And you, can, and you can tell the difference because, among other things, uh, I think the official MGM version doesn't have the actual end titles. It's like you know, somebody made up title cards. Yeah. I mean, they're the same credits as uh, the show, but, <clears throat> but, but the version we're going to see has the actual end titles from the show. Exciting. Well, yeah, I, I wouldn't call it do. exciting. I'm it's-
5: trying. I'm trying, guys. Come on. <laughs> well, <laughs> all
3: right. I'm, we'll,
6: we'll put the actual YouTube link on. Twitter, right? Or something like that. So people- it will be in
0: the description of the podcast. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. There's a lot of, so I think we should frame this for anybody who hasn't seen it before, before we get into it, which is this was a live television production in the fifties. So this should not be fairly compared to any movie production. It should really be compared to a stage play in my view. Um,
3: yes, so and I, and I, I agree with that. Also, this was part of a series called climax with an exclamation point. And this was the third episode shown. The first episode was an adaptation of the Long Goodbye, which was the longest Philip Marlowe movie, and they squeeze it to an hour. So it was like the Short Goodbye, but um, <laughs> but, but but the show, but the show was actually it was actually somewhat ambitious, probably more ambitious than it should have been, because they were like taking things like a Farewell to Arms and squeezing him into an hour and uh Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde into an hour. And also the other context is is that okay, at the time this was broadcast, there were a grand total of two James Bond novels. And mm-hmm. and we're gonna see the introduction where the host says, oh, based on the bestseller by Ian Fleming. No, it wasn't. I mean at this point, Bond novels were doing all right, but they were not bestsellers, not in the US anyway.
5: Well didn't want anybody to change the channel at that point, did they?
0: No. It wasn't even released as
5: Casino Rail in the States. Right. You asked for really it. S- you asked for it,
6: yeah.
0: yeah. At least in I, paperback. I, <laughs> which would have made it a very funny title. Climax, you asked for
5: it. No. <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: I think I rented that movie once.
0: You Oh,
2: my God.
0: So that's where my mind's at that
2: one was funny we should
0: also (laughs) have our redeemer now we're back to zero
8: (laughs) we're we're, we're, we're clean slate clean
4: slate (laughs) younger viewers may notice that it's in something called black and white (laughs) yes and
0: and, um, oddly squarish Yes, Well, and, and, yeah, well
4: and that's all- Instagram, isn't it?
0: They used to <laughs> have- shop for Instagram in 54. 54- <laughs> 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 and, and,
3: and, and also the cameras in those days, I mean, they took like 20 minutes to a half hour just to warm up.
0: You couldn't. And usually yeah. two two guys on a dolly to move them.
5: Yeah, the they, were, they were huge.
0: And it was, anyway, just,
3: just some, again, the this, broader uh, context.
5: This is 54? Yes. Yeah. That predates videotape. By the way.
3: Yeah. So, it does yeah, because
5: videotape didn't come along till the late
3: fifties.
5: Yeah, fifty-six uh, is when I was reading the two-inch uh, videotape happened. So they would film a monitor with sixteen millimeter film, which is what we're looking right. at. Uh, yeah, uh, because because, because like it would that. be sh- because it would be shown live in the East Co- I think
3: East Central and maybe even mountain. And then like, but the film was so they could show it in Los Angeles on right. the West Coast time. Um but I saw, I won't go into details, but I saw this thing from 59. was like one of the first, considered one of the first shows done on videotape. And, you know, it, it won a ton of Emmys and all this stuff. But yeah, but, but as part of the, ahead of the actual thing of the show, whoever put it together, you know, had a photo of one of those cameras. I mean, they're huge. I mean, yeah. and, you know, you, so you see camera movements in this. It's like, you know, there were like couple of guys
0: are like sweating to move the camera around.
4: Yeah. Basically they were For pushing his sure. car, weren't they?
0: Yeah. And most of that was the weight of the glass on the lenses. Yeah. In <laughs> yeah. All right. So with that bunch of asterisks, I guess against this, uh, what we're about to watch, um, who would like to provide the introduction? Can I, since, since I'm like one of the few people who defends
3: this to a degree, um
8: <laughs> i like this movie i i'm not, you're not gonna get hate coming from me i actually well, really uh, like
3: this movie well, well, <laughs> well because actually it uh this is also old-fashioned that you will actually have an announcer at the very beginning i from television city in hollywood and that announcer was a guy named art gilmore who did tv shows in the u.s for decades and decades also the occasional movie trailer uh for people my age they may not have heard of Art Gilmore, but they've heard his voice just because he was like one of those announcers who was like in all sorts of prom- promos all over TV in the fifties and sixties and so forth. So, so if you want me to mimic Art Gilmore at the start,
0: I'll, uh, I can do that. We'll, we'll come up. With you can you can just freestyle it though, right. but, but,
4: but not climax. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs>
2: no, don't freestyle climax. <laughs>
0: Oh my god I'm not going to make it through this podcast. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, so, if everyone's got the YouTubes open?
5: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Oh, in, god. What if it plays an ad?
0: Um, I don't think this channel's That uh, monetized. Okay. So Sorry. Sure. <laughs> if it does, we'll, 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 we'll dub real. in the ads in real time, like the, the original shows. All right. In three, two, one, play.
8: I love hearing everyone's click at the same time.
3: Hi from Television City in Hollywood. Barry Nelson. Peter Laurie.
0: Linda Christian. Much underrated first bongo. That's
3: right. In I'm sorry. In climax, a brand new series from Hollywood. Mm. And now here's your host, William Lundigan. <laughs>
6: this is this is a new approach
0: to. Uh, <laughs> this, is how, this is how we get around copyright. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs>
6: That's
0: right. And, and,
3: and, he, and he starts talking about this is a shoe.
6: I think Calvin made, I I, I I haven't seen the whole, as I mentioned earlier, I haven't seen the whole of this, uh, this so this is my first seeing of this, uh, of the CR54, um, so I'm glad to be sharing it with you guys, I have watched Calvin's YouTube review of it, and, um, and he says something along the lines of like, no. Doesn't look very dangerous, does it? And Calvin goes, "It looks very dangerous." <laughs> oh. And then he just Not starts. Am I stealing everything from Calvin? All my all my notes, but uh, I'm <laughs> stealing his joke. Uh, oh, I just everything. point
0: out that this is the first, the only Bond film where they actually explain background. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Well, in, in the
4: 2006 movie, they don't play it. So there wasn't a background point yeah, but back,
0: back, back pops up in a lot of the movies, but nobody explains yeah. how it works. And it's pretty obscure. That third
6: job would have got him right in the dick. <laughs>
8: <laughs> it's a pretty strong tree or pillar. Is it a pillar? <laughs> it's a pillar. It's a
3: pillar. Yeah, and and the assassin uh and the assassin in, is intent on firing right into the center of the pillar. It's like, oh, oh, you. You, move, you move your aim a little to the right, you at least get his elbow.
7: It's a cool <laughs> opening though. I think like as a dramatic hook to kind of get you into the story yes. quick, like just starting right. on an assassination attempt. It's quite a good yeah. It, it, it,
4: it's almost it's almost like a, like a pre-title sequence.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very true, and, yeah. And also you know the American Bond played by Barry Barry Nelson does get some decent one-liners. At one point along here, says, "Were you the man who was shot?" No, I was the man who was missed. Yeah, right. and you know <laughs> th- things like that. So, yeah.
6: I I it's, I like the um, I like the costuming on this and um, the set design. Considering this is a you know like as uh, Bill mentions a low budget. Bit,
4: very, I, I was just looking at his jacket. Very very fifties, isn't it? Yeah yeah
6: um but i will say that it's got a. it reminds me a little bit of casablanca as i'm watching this it's got a, a, a very kind of casablanca feel to it
5: mm. uh, well, bear in then, mind and the production I
6: mean. value to it as well you know for a television for a live television show it seems to be i mean like i can see why people say it's a little bit hokey and you know some of the special effects aren't that great um but actually it's you know if it does have a real sense of, sense of place it's not too much of a stage production it does actually have pretty good production values i think for for what
5: sure yeah, yeah. two two things about that though ben like Casablanca probably gave you know the visual medium its language for casinos and nightlife at that point it was just such a like a footprint yeah down, down to the peter Lorre appearance i'm guessing yeah. um and i have no way of verifying this but i'm reading online that this was broadcast in color which, ah, no, I, I can't
3: believe that. I mean, I don't know. Um, because, because it one, this was on CBS, and CBS was like a laggard when it came to color. NBC went into color first. Mm-hmm. Because NBC was owned by RCA, which made color TV sets. So, so like, NBC mm-hmm. was, like, really doing the pressing the well, that's, color that's
1: because, window
0: that's because cbs had a rival technology called their color wheel that they were trying to get standardized that failed so right. that's why they were last to adopt N- yeah. exactly
6: so we're getting into we're getting into a, a literal both of these characters both both lighter and bond are essentially um delivering all of the exposition for this but they do it in a in a very heavy-handed kind of way in which they sort of say if you explain this, I'll explain this. And it's kind of, you you know, normally exposition can kind of like be subtly kind of introduced, but this, this is kind of very heavily shoehorned in.
8: But can we also talk in addition to that, the fact that James Bond or Jimmy Bond is American and Clarence Leiter is supposed to be, I believe
7: he's supposed to be
8: British. Um, And so like just seeing, I mean, My first time seeing it about three hours ago, I was like, wait a second. It feels like it's completely flipped compared to what we're used to seeing. And I'm not sure how I feel about sort of like a very hardened Jimmy Bond who kind of like has, I don't want to say like a gangster sort of edge to him but sort of he kind of has a little bit of that tough guy edge. And I don't know if he feels fully in place in a casino. Like I believe lighter here and him being at home and in place, but James or Jimmy Bond just seems to me in this setting to be a little bit out of place. And even when you were talking about the costuming, I do feel as though his costuming is almost oversized, almost looking (laughs) like, you know, he just sort of threw this together to be in this space because he's a lucky person. It's very
6: Um, duty, isn't it? Very kind of like.
3: Well, well also in when the first couple of Bond novels came out, you know, some critics kind of compared Bond to more like a Philip Marlowe type character Mm -hmm. than the suave one we would get in the films.
4: To, 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 me, to me, I think a Bond here has taken on a lot of lighter from the books. Um, he, he's a bit of a, a combination of the two, I think.
6: So what, what do we feel about um, the guy playing lighter here? Do we feel like he would have actually made quite a good Bond? Um,
3: you know, his name is uh, Michael, I'm not sure of the pronunciation. It's spelled P-A-T-E, Michael Pate. I'm yeah. yeah. not sure what that- Pate. Pate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he mostly played villains. He did a lot of co- character roles on American television. So this yeah, is actually one of the
4: I, I, I wouldn't buy him as Bond. On, uh, I wouldn't. Buy, I, prefer or at least-
6: th- I prefer him as Bond in this. You know, like some of these shots of like, you know, he seems a little bit more. De- the hoagie
5: face.
7: Hmm. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And I don't know if it's the hair, like, you know, obviously Barry Nelson has this kind of like buzz cut kind of thing, which just seems so unbondy. And I think Barry Nelson actually in like interviews, you know, much later on when this was sort of, you know, touted a bit of a curio sort of thing for Bond fans, he's quite humble about like, this was just like a, a job for the week. It was right. not mm-hmm. something that he researched thoroughly or anything like that. So it was just kind of, yep, show up and do your thing. And uh, didn't really like- think much of it at the time.
3: By the way, real quick, um, this was aired live, and then and there was a film copy made, and then it disappeared. And so this is from the James Bond movie encyclopedia by Stephen J. Rubin. Lost for nearly 30 years, the TV Casino Royale surfaced in 1981 when Jim Schoenberger, a Chicago airline executive and film collector, was rummaging through some old film canisters that were marked Casino Royale, thinking that the 16 millimeter print was a battered copy of the 1967 Casino Royale spoof who was about to cut up the film for leader when he noticed it was in black and white, remembering that the David Niven-Woody Allen spoof was in color, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, so it surfaced in the early 80s, and it's you know kind of by luck that uh, there's even a copy to watch here in the 21st century.
6: I mean, it'd be interesting to see if that color, because as Bill Mentioned earlier that it'd go out in color, it'd be really interesting. You like, wouldn't it be amazing to see this in in its original color?
5: Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, and w- and in hard video. Well, you're looking at a, f- a filmed image of a hard video signal. Yeah, so this really would have looked more like uh something akin to like an SNL sketch or or Saturday Night Live. Uh,
6: yeah, well, or sorry, a more,
5: soap opera rather.
6: A bit more depth to it, it, I guess. Um, yeah. And- it's interesting.
5: And the production designers back in the day when when they were presented with the idea of broadcasting television in color, you know, a couple of years later with Dark Shadows and whatnot, when Dark Shadows made the switch to color, they went really overboard on the color. So it's it would yeah. be interesting to see what sort of choices were made in terms of the uh you know the the, the scenery and, and the costuming.
1: Yeah.
2: For, For
5: all, great, all we know, it's like bright green curtains. Exactly. And red mm-hmm.
1: floors.
2: <laughs>
5: dark Shadows got a real kick about bright green outfits when they switched to color. <laughs> Well, or the Adam West
3: Batman show, which was done on film, but I mean, the color thing was—they went way, way into color, like you mm-hmm. know, the purple gas and all that
0: yeah. stuff. Some so, Leshyfer here is holding court at the casino <laughs> oh. <laughs> for the first act, pretty much, isn't he? Yeah. Mm.
8: Can I say something about Peter Laurie? Mm. Yes.
0: Um,
8: I think that any film he is in it's going to be a better film because of him. And I just wanted to sit here and just give some sort of like personal fandom and sort of a nod to him and mm-hmm. just the, the, what he brings to this role, what he brings to pretty much any role that, that especially when he plays a villain, um, I think he's one of my, it's, I, I, it's bold, but I think he's one of my favorite villains in, Weird. in, a, in the Bond universe, just because it's Peter Lorre, just yeah, bringing well, on well, the, the, the creep factor. You know what well, I mean? Well, like well,
5: there's,
2: well, oh. and,
3: and in the uh, dialogue, I think it's lighter. Refers to him as a toad, which is kind of based on the novel, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like, yeah, he does kind of look like a toad. When you,
6: when you read um, when you read Casino Royale, the, the novel, it's hard not to kind of picture Peter Lorre in the, you know, in, in the in the, the Chiffre role, and I yep. think, um, in terms of casting, it's about as bang on the nose as you can get, um, and Peter Lorre is an amazing act, was an amazing actor anyway. Um So I think he, he was, he was just a blindingly good piece of casting for this. And they were very, very lucky to get him, even if he is a little bit kind of jaded by this point. Um, But yeah, he has, he has so much presence and charisma and he, but he really does, you know, I I think inhabit that. Uh, the yeah. role of the
5: <clears throat> well, the live TV dramas, it was a bit of the wild West. You would have, you know, Oscar winning actors showing up to do these things uh, and and very talented writers here and there, you know, uh, Rod Serling, Patty Chayefsky, John Frankenheimer, Sidney Limit, all cut their teeth in live drama, none of whom are involved in this production. No. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, as, as an actor, and if you're <laughs> Peter Lurie, you're, you, you might not know what you're getting into. You don't know if you're getting a good one or if you're getting, you know, a, like one of the sort of lower rung production. You,
3: you also had up-and-comers on the crew and this crew included a 25-year-old Jerry Goldsmith. Whoa. He did not now contrary to the IMDb entry for this, I just looked it up before we started recording, Goldsmith did not do original music for this. What he was tasked with was going through the CBS music library and selecting cues and figuring out where to use them. I I watched about 35 minutes of this before we did recording and I i heard a snippet of something i remember seeing like on Gunsmoke, uh, which didn't come on till like the the following year so um in this for this production he's more like a music supervisor right Late, later with this series he did do original music including an adaptation of uh, dr jekyll and mr hyde uh but you know later in this first season but uh yeah, but, and and also Goldsmith talked about trying to do music for live broadcasts like Climax, and he, it was like crazy, and it's like, you know, but he's in his mid-20s, like, you, you you don't know how hard it is, and it's like, and at that point, you don't care, because you're trying to make a mark, and, um, but yeah, this is like very early in Goldsmith's career, and he, of course, would go on to be a great film composer.
5: Would all of these live dramas be just needle drops, essentially, they have to pre-record the music? There weren't, there weren't. There what? was, well, they,
3: you know, where they had original scores, I don't know. I guess they would have had to, unless, you, I mean, I can't imagine you have a complete orchestra. If you did, like, if you did try to do it live, you couldn't have an orchestra. You might maybe have, what, eight right. pieces, eight musicians. Um,
5: and this is why a lot of those soaps had that organ music, because it was really just sort of like, it was a smaller piece of equipment that they could just, you know,
4: yeah.
5: one, one musician hitting those cues uh, in the studio.
4: God, I didn't know that, but yeah, I kind of. It's kind of obvious when you say it, isn't it? They, they should release the uh, the soundtrack to this. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
8: but I do like it's the soundtrack, than, like even the Doctrine. Even in this <laughs> particular scene, like it, it has. I think when you mentioned the soap opera, like it's really kind of melodramatic music, mm-hmm. and it's something that comes from <clears> the era, from the time period, and maybe that's why I like this film. Is that? It's different than the type of soundtracks that we get now, and I kind of like the hyper the hyper melodrama that that it brings along. And in, in when we're watching it and thinking about the fact that this is live and this is taking place, and this music is amplifying, you know, the relationship between these two, the fact that he knows that you know there, there's a microphone in the room and they're both sort of playing along. The music actually works really well, and and for something that's taking place live, um, and I didn't know that when I was watching it, so I just assumed it was just like a regular movie when I first saw it. I I had no clue that there was anything going on um, in terms of 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 a live um, uh, recording of this. I think that it's even more notable, and I think that if we're gonna if we critique certain little little things here and there. It's really difficult to to consider it in comparison to, you know, a film where people can retake their scenes and where the music can be queued up exactly perfectly and the lighting can be tweaked and all these things yeah, can happen yeah, during I, it, and yeah. post.
4: It, it's, a, it's amazing that they actually managed to do this. Oh, if, right. you think about, yes.
0: if you think about all the props that Sam Mendes got for the fake one-take opening to Spectre, yes. which was like, hey, here's 59 minutes of one-take to <laughs> respond.
3: And and also just just to close the loop on Goldsmith, so given they were doing this live every week, like Goldsmith didn't have a lot of time to go through the music library and select cues i mean mm-hmm. it's i mean it was i mean it was really crazy I mean, they would do a dress rehearsal, and so then um and then based on the dress rehearsal, they' tweak the music you know and then and then they'd go live you know when they were you know finally doing it live but yeah you, know, you basically had a you had a a test run and then you and you were on live before millions of people
7: I don't doubt that the technical no like all of that kind of stuff that you know made this thing possible to do it live and all that was really phenomenal. my only other sort of go-to reference for 50s TV as Alfred Hitchcock Presents, because I'm a big Alfred mm, yeah. Hitchcock fan, so I've watched plenty of that, which was obviously not recorded live. And no. I, I must say, watching this, I do feel like it's it's novel that it was all done live, and it's interesting to kind of see how it all gets put together as a result of that, and you know all the different sets and stuff, kind of thinking about the production. I do feel like it would be much better to watch now if, you know, the actors weren't concerned about hitting their marks and the lighting didn't have to, like, there are, mm-hmm. there are some goofs in here every now and then that I think do ultimately kind of detract from it as a whole. Yeah. I, I kind of wish it didn't, yeah, it didn't go out live if it had just been a sort of more, uh, had a bit more time with it potential to do multiple takes and that.
6: And there's a couple of, like, dialogue fluffs as well that kind mm. of, you know, where the, you can kind of see that the other actor is maybe kind of pushing for the for, for the line to be remembered um which i think you know like it it feels kind of uh, you know very stage play like um but you wouldn't yeah you definitely wouldn't get those kind of moments of uh um you you love me still don't you kind of <laughs> <laughs> what was that you were saying earlier <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just noticed a couple of lines getting sort of repeated and, um, you know, I don't know whether that was intentional in the script or whether that was really the actors kind of, uh, you know, pushing each other along, but I don't know. Mm. Um, just a
8: point about wallpaper, because I know we've talked about it. Is that turkey wallpaper? Are those, that's, that can't be turkeys in the background.
6: Or a, 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 <laughs> potatoes? It, it's, a, it's a smiley face on a balloon.
8: That's, no, a, it, yeah, like, yeah. that's what it looks like to me it's
6: a laurel wreath um,
2: mm.
6: it's, it's the, the classic kind of like uh, as you might see on a Ben Sherman shirt, you know, the the, the wreath the, the cross wreath mm.
1: is
2: that
6: making sense? Mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah or Fred Perry <laughs> yeah. yeah. if you hold your phone up to it it scans as a QR code
6: <laughs> <laughs> i love the idea that it is turkeys on the wallpaper though That's-
8: so that, that's what came into my mind i'm like is that a turkey <laughs> but again it's the textured wallpaper and even when i'm thinking about wallpapers i'm thinking about how even in the early bond films we've talked about from russia with love we've talked about the wallpaper in honor Majesty's secret service in the casino how it was just sort of like that busy wallpaper with like a like a consistent design and i think that it's just it's an interesting element wallpaper in general in some of these uh earlier films and i don't think wallpaper really it depends on where you live but you know in oklahoma wallpaper is not real really big um it's not necessarily like a consistent design feature now so i think it, wallpaper certainly has its moment
0: Well, the, the scale of the patterns has changed mm. right that is true
6: unless of course you uh happen to be living in a house that i just bought where uh, wallpaper <laughs> is absolutely everywhere um, oh my god moving on So
0: uh, Bond phones in the Bond series.
6: Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Mm. It's pretty curved. this whole whole kind of like conversation, like one-sided conversations. You know where people don't have enough time to actually say the things that they're supposed to be saying. (laughs) Oh, so (laughs) yeah, Uh, I I think and and it's a very kind of uninteresting thing to have a one one side of a conversation. Um and it's still a static shot,
1: you
7: know. Mm. And uh <laughs> but then
8: it it doesn't give time for the guy with the gun yeah. to come up to you and, and just show that it,
7: it's like it's out and then he's like, Oh no, wait, it needs to be covered for this, and then he <laughs> uncovers it again. It's just one of those little things again, which I think is cute. Like I do like watching live TV and live dramas and stuff, because it is always funny when the actors fluff up. Um So it gives it that extra layer of, you know, sweetness, I suppose.
6: He just, he literally just finished his sandwich off set. He was like, all right, coming on now, my turn.
3: Well, in the very first episode of Climax, the one that based on the long goodbye, you know, a, a guy is supposed to be shot and he's supposed to crawl, you know, off. Instead, he stood up and you could see it. And I saw um, an article from the Chicago Tribune. (laughs) They were commenting about this. And that was a kind of famous live TV incident. Does that gets
5: um, conflated with this all the time? People think yes. Lori did it. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yes, where I have tried to tell people that's wrong and they just all they do is they talk louder. I I yeah. saw it. I saw it. It's like Dolly's braces. Right. I saw Peter DeLorrie get up when he was supposed to be dead.
7: There, there's one for you, Calvin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well or maybe just don't. Yeah, no, I get harassed <laughs> by enough people. Exactly. exactly. Yeah.
0: yeah. You know, the thing is, it's probably the same people.
7: Yeah, it probably is. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> and I mean, the Venn
0: diagram of Bond, I mean conspiracy these, theories.
3: These, <laughs> these were two. These were two know-it-all Bond fans, and I just like they started yelling. It's like, is there any other type of Bond fan? <laughs> um,
6: I know nothing. I don't know why.
3: <laughs> I never claimed to know it all. It's like, <laughs> yeah.
6: I liked earlier on, I meant to mention this because I did, I, I did see some snippets of, of, of this before we started recording, but there's a, there's a bit where, you know, just, up, just after he's been uh, attempted, the, the assassination attempts happened, the, uh, hold on, my dog's coming, um, he, he says something along the lines of, um, oh, you know, your police will be on hand for you at any time, sir. And then he goes, that's great. Here's, go and get me some chips. It was a very kind of like uh, fetch my shoes kind of moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like this is the guy that runs the the whole casino, and he's just kind of like, "That's great, just just go away and give me some uh, cinema." <laughs> anyway,
1: sorry. I like her hair,
8: by the way. It's sort well, of a it- very 50s style short hair back, and I'm always like, "How did she curl it?" Because I I don't know how to do my own hair, let alone what like. But it's sort of just like a classic cinema short half up hairstyle that. I don't know. I just love the costumes in this film. I think she looks well, great.
3: Also, oh, it's, this- it's
0: one, 1 eight hundred exposition Colin. <laughs> I, I
3: was about to say also they um, they they merged you know Vesper and, and Mathis into one character, and that's part of the that part of the process, I assume, of like trying to shorten yeah. you know, the story mm-hmm. into a fifty minute you know it's fifty minutes minus commercials. Um,
0: anyway. Be sure to call again if there's more story plot points we need to be covering.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Bond, okay, I'm threatening the woman, so please lose. Okay, what? What do you mean? Let me work walk that back now.
1: I can do,
6: and yet you're threatening her. How does?
7: <laughs> i could i haven't seen this in years there's not much i remember of it but there is a line coming up that i do remember because it's so bad it's something like it's when he has that cane with a gun in it and it's behind bond yeah. and he says uh, i yeah. have a cane in <laughs> I, your I, back I, except it is not a cane it is a gun, it is a gun. <laughs> like, huh. and it will not make noise so if, <laughs> so, if I shoot
3: you, you will be dead.
6: <laughs> so in the, in the novel, right, the same thing happens, but it's consa- that the, the gun part is contained within the handle, right? And in mm. this, it's like the gun part is contained within the the length right. of the cane. So it yeah. the subtlety of like sticking the handle in his back is kind of lost. Mm. So I, 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 too, I've, too. I've never never un-
4: understood it as that. I always thought it was the uh, the length of the cane.
6: No, I think the idea was that he just shoved the back of the handle. Okay, into, uh, you know,
4: I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll have to take a look at that. I, I've I've always imagined it that it was the 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 barrel was the length of the cane, but you're yeah, like a it makes, sense. yeah <laughs> makes sense. makes
6: sense. Makes sense. The, the subtlety of that would be that mm. like you're standing in the mm. middle of a casino you know, and you're pointing your entire cane into mm. somebody's <laughs> lower back. Yeah, I just no. I think I think it. I mean, please do check it up and find out whether I'm I'm wrong. But I always just assumed it was it contained within the head.
3: Well, also, it's been a while since I've read the novel, but isn't a lot of it done kind of like Bond's internal thoughts? I mean, yes, the guy does say something, but you know, whereupon here it has to be done with all
0: dialogue, so right. it gets kind of clunky. I with, mean, you know, he could literally be holding a banana behind him, he wouldn't know, right? Yeah. End of <laughs> It could just be a bluff. I'm
6: holding yeah. a banana, but it is also a gun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> i will of the kill most,
0: you if I shoot you.
8: One of the most interesting things, the fact that this is live, has to do with like the deck itself being properly stacked.
5: Oh, yeah. You know, like
8: I'm really hoping that somebody did a really good job because, you know, he's just going to do what he's supposed to do. And even then, like I've recently watched The Queen's Gambit and I know nothing about chess. And I'm thinking about the actor, actors playing chess with each other and like having to quickly pick up pieces and move things and just know what they're supposed to do, even if they don't understand the game. And I think that this is sort of a version of that where he's going to be, you know, giving out the cards, but he's doing it in a particular order, hoping
4: hoping that it works out. Just right. imagine, just imagine if the, <laughs> if they hadn't been stacked
7: right, it would have been <laughs> just panic on everyone's faces. <laughs> That's um, right. <laughs> and
8: it's like, when you are playing the game, we know you won. Like, <laughs>
3: and, and on top <laughs> okay. of that, you, you had to remember, okay, do I not take a card this time, yeah. or do I take one? Because if you met, ma- if you muffed that, then some of the hands would turn out uh, totally huh? different.
4: I wonder, wonder if they had a, a plan for, for in case that happened, in case somebody. Managed to, to mess up the deck.
8: I don't know, a spare um,
4: shoe? <laughs> I, I think in the universe th- where that happened, Lisa. In, in, in the,
3: you know what? I I'll bet in the control room they would have like quickly cut to another camera,
4: yeah.
3: <laughs> so, and, and they just say what was supposed oh, to oh, happen. There's a
4: phone call for you, Mister Bond.
6: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Aces are wild now. We forgot to tell you.
6: In, um, in Calvin's review of this, um, whilst we we're all uh, enjoying the scene immensely, uh, <laughs> laughing at the the, the statue, but uh, Calvin's review is basically. This is the dullest card scene ever committed to. to, to
7: <laughs> like, it's been so it. long since this review; I can't remember any of my opinions. This, yeah. this is used to it. me.
6: Who, who is, is this giving Calvin you <laughs> <laughs> like, do So you say it in the review club, and it's like imagine like you know the the Casino Royale scene with, with Daniel Craig, where every the stakes are high and there's huge tension, and then you see this, and then like. <laughs> it's, plodding and kind of like
5: there's no tension in it there's
6: horrified high load i have
0: a little conspiracy theory for you right what if the cutaway to the if the overhead camera is a different table with (gasps) standards
8: and hopefully someone who could use the little stick thing because like he's been having a little difficulty like scooping them up so but, imagine if you can't yeah, even
0: scoop up the cards. Face down, and then it cuts to the overhead camera. Oh, yeah, maybe we're, so, yeah. you
5: know, But at the very least, it's panning over, so there, somebody's handing him the right cards. If yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, but but yeah, that but, so in other words, James, these insert shots showing the cards
3: on the table is another table somewhere it could else. Be. I don't I think it yeah. is. Yeah. I don't think right, right. it
2: is, but
0: they could have totally done that.
6: Backup that would make that would, table. That, that, that would have been smart as a, as a backup table. Yeah, that would that would be sensible. Oh, and and this. Oh, and this.
3: I'm sorry. This this one aid to Lashif You won. You lost. Like, is that all you do? I'm sorry. Right, go ahead, Ben. I, I didn't no, mean to what cut in. But...
6: Is in terms of being able to cut succinctly and making sure that you had that right shot. It does yeah. make sense
1: that
5: it would be. That's a different. That was a different hand, and that was a different size paper. And to your point about how giant these cameras are, so some somewhere there's a. A double table and there's a a, see, a mirror above it, and those cameras are pointing up at the mirror to get the shots. Because yeah, that, that's that how that we would, used to do overhead in studio shots when the cameras yeah. are too big.
0: You can't have a six hundred pound thing hanging from the ceiling.
5: Right, <laughs> <But now you laughs> that a, would be
6: a disaster in a live a show.
5: A train shot happening here, so who knows?
6: Somebody had to write a note backwards. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: and, and,
6: and, and pretty, um, very
0: very quickly as well because he just lost
6: <laughs> um yeah i remember um i remember like i went to a cooking class once and they had those big angled mirrors yeah over the you know over the cooking thing so you can see what the um what the chef is, is and, and not
5: to overthink it but in the control room you could just switch the image you could just flip it in you That's know true, so yes. going out was correct <laughs>
6: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense, Phil. Um, I love the fact that probably no one else has talked
5: about this ever. And-
3: <laughs> well, here, here's something else. Um, of course, when uh, Eon finally got to do its own Casino Royale, they switched it for, what it was it, Texas Hold'em Texas Poker? Hold'em, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and they, they claimed, it's like, oh, this is much more dramatic. No, it's not. It's like... Texas Hold'em poker was like really popular at the time. Yeah. They were like going in on that. I mean, baccarat can be filmed in a dramatic way. Now I don't know, especially when you explain the rules before you do it, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, but it's significantly less like skill involved, wouldn't you say?
6: I was just going to say that you know, uh, in earlier in this production, you know, uh, Jimmy Bond does actually say most of it. This is luck, and mm-hmm. it's mostly like twenty-one.
1: Yeah, it's blackjack. And,
6: yeah, so I, I think, I guess what I'm trying to say is that, like, at least by switching it to to Texas Holden, the skill act uh, aspect comes yeah.
3: in. Well, it, I don't want to go into details, but, like, there were, there was a, a, a another spy thing with a depiction of Bakrat. Now, they spiced it up with cheating, and, like, the cards were marked, and you would have these sh- point-of-view shots. Right. You know, like, if you had, the, um, if you had um, contact lenses, you could see the markings. And so then that, you know, know, clues the audience in on what's happening. Then also you have the hero outcheats the villain. So it's like, yeah, Baccarat can be perfectly dramatic, done the right way. Wasn't
8: that Casino Royale 67? Didn't they have glasses that you could see through the cards?
3: Maybe. Uh, Did I make that up? I'm, I'm, I'm thinking.
8: I <laughs> oh made that up.
4: Yeah, it was only a week
3: oh. ago that we saw it, but I can't remember. <laughs> it? Here's the cane thing.
8: Yeah, because they were, they were looking through the window, the one yeah. way mirror yeah. thing, and then he had glasses, and then he had glasses. Yeah.
0: Mm. yeah to so- anybody walking past the scene we're looking at right now, I think he's about to think something suspicious.
8: Yeah. <laughs> the longest cane in the world.
0: Don't, don't worry. He's just my proctologist. <laughs> <laughs> That it, I
6: would be even, it, it would be so much more subtle if he just actually had a small pistol in his hand. <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh <Yeah. laughs> yeah. yeah, well. Well, er, well, when we first saw him when uh, Lashif was with his uh henchman in at his hotel room, you did see the guy working his cane gun. I guess he was loading it or just checking it out, whatever, but they did did show it hmm. pr- you know prior to this. Not that Not matters. <laughs> yes. Also, um, real quick, one of the writers of this was a guy named Charles Bennett, who was born in, I think, 1899, um, and he he like co-wrote the first version of uh, the Man Who Knew Too Much for Hitchcock, because mm. um, he does get a credit in the 56 remake, um, and he was at this point he was doing kind of combination of. TV shows and movies. So he was active well
0: into the sixties. Oh, this guy runs onto the, into the scene like, what's going on? Can you refresh my memory? Because I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> 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 this is for the benefit of the audience who, uh, you know, just got a snack
3: and was coming back to the TV.
7: Oh, <laughs> Dozed off a bit during that card crowd. game. <laughs> 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 oh, yeah.
1: Pushing, oh, pushing through the crowd.
7: He's just so rude. Like, (laughs) really no need for this. He's just like touching everyone. Look, just touch, yeah, Push you in the back. Everyone gets pushed in the
8: back. He's got so much space on this other side. There's nobody there. He's like touching all these
1: people.
3: (laughs) Well, also think about all these extras in this scene where like that woman that he mistakes for Valerie, for example. She's got to make her mark and all this mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it's rather than great acting,
0: it's probably like great logistics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, just, they, and they finished on time as well. Yeah. yeah.
6: yeah. <laughs> I, I actually think, you know, the, I, I said it earlier, the set design, the, the, the scope of this set as well, yeah. you know, has got different levels. You really, I mean, I, I think. For yeah, a, for it's a,
0: amazing. the a, a little um, uh, numbers on the elevator going up. Convince you that that was an elevator. <laughs>
6: no, but there's, a, there's a shot early when you know they go upstairs and they're outside the door.
0: One eight hundred exposition. Pick up, please.
6: <laughs> Going up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so that's so. This is a, a split level set, right? So it's kind of like there is.
6: I mean, obviously, it's just another part of the studio that's kind of like just raised slightly. But <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. It just uh, it, it it feels like the the production value on this, considering that I just, I don't, I, I thought that it was going to be a lot cheaper. Worse. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a lot cheaper. Actually, see, it, it, Eon
4: Eon always talk about putting all the money on the screen. Uh, I reckon these these people did. <laughs>
3: Yeah. Right, they they just had less money to put it on the screen. They had less
4: money, but they put it all on screen. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
8: But they have a lot of stairs. Like this is a hotel with like a lot of stairs, stairwells. It's yeah. the same floor, but I'm going to go down like five stairs. Like, and I think mm-hmm. that what it does is it it actually facilitates movement. It allows us to sort of get the sense that he's moving through this entire hotel, yeah. this this space. Like, it actually works visually for what they're trying to accomplish, but logistically, like what hotel has this? Like, it, it doesn't actually make
6: too much sense.
0: It, 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 okay.
6: it has dynamic movement, but it also creates the illusion of a larger space. Yeah, and yeah. That's, uh, it's a
0: convincing elevator. Alibi- uh,
6: yeah. Little little mouse behind it running. <laughs> Aw.
8: <laughs> the Casino Royale mouse. Well,
3: mm-hmm. and in fact, I remember Calvin's review and the, the light changed as Bond was getting putting That's the uh, true, check right, into right. the hotel number because suddenly it's, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of dark.
7: Suddenly it's lighter. Like, Oh, uh, someone <laughs> had to wake up and <laughs> get to their mark. All, the, all the places to hide it.
4: Yep. Well, That's straight I from the book though. Is-
0: well, I know, but I just never understood why that was a thing.
8: And nobody saw him standing with his door open. Like and
0: a screwdriver.
8: Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But like it is smart because it's like, would you check the room? No one would be like, yeah, but check the numbers outside the room. You know yeah. what I mean?
6: It is clever. Mm-hmm. But that's typically that's typical of Fleming, really. I think that mm-hmm. it you know it speaks very much of I mean, obviously it is Fleming because he, he wrote it, but it's it's typical of this kind <laughs> of Fleming. everyone, you know, back in the nineteen fifties, uh, gun safety was clearly not a a primary concern. Everyone held their guns like,
0: yeah, no trigger mm-hmm. disappointment Wait. You got to remember, this went out with a with a with a plea to please wear a seatbelt in your car. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> Different times.
1: <laughs> while you while you enjoy a oh, nice cigarette, go off. If he slips, yeah,
6: don't fire. Fu- I mean, you know, you wouldn't want to fire that from that position, Peter. That's that's very bad.
4: Okay, Ben, what what gun is that then?
6: I can't. The quality. You, of it, it, this is very. very you you
4: dark. always claim to be an expert on this.
6: Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. I think it. it's mean, very hard to see, considering I'm also blind. Um, <laughs> but but it, no it,
8: excuses. It, it,
6: might, it might. It might be a, br- a small caliber Beretta, but uh, it's hard to see. Um, I I could come back to you on that, but uh, I think that, I think that's maybe what it is. It might be the. Um. Yeah, it might be. A, I think it's like a. It might be the point two five Beretta that Bond uses in the book, but it could, it could be a semiautomatic. It could be, but it also could just be a prop gun. And that's I, think, I was about to say prop-
3: they could have gotten it at a toy store. It's like yeah, oh, it we forgot <laughs> to get the gun. Quick, run down. To-
6: <laughs> and a lot of a lot of um, a lot of these these um, firearms are uh, you know from, from particular productions just uh, literally prop prop pistols and things. So. I can't, and to be honest, this is a very blurry... Uh, yeah, I, I, I wasn't
4: actually expecting an answer from you.
6: I was just <laughs> taking
4: the piss. Fair <laughs> <laughs>
0: Special, <laughs> break. <laughs> Special <laughs> break, and James Bond is down on the floor.
1: <laughs> act three. We always say Bond films, the third act matters. Yeah. There we go. Mm-hmm.
0: It's okay. very 007 Legends, just have Bond knocked out all the time.
6: Yes. <laughs> Take him to the tub.
3: Well, I mean, cook. okay, so, like, obviously they could not duplicate the, the torture scene of the novel. So, like, what do you do? So, yeah. they came up with this thing about using the pliers on his feet. Yeah, um, I, but I, I reckon
4: that this works quite Well...
3: Well, it's it it's left to the viewer's imagination. You see the guy like getting ready to put the pliers on the feet, then you cut to Bond in agony. And so it's like, you know, the viewer can imagine what's happening to his poor toes.
2: <laughs> Speaking
8: of bodies, can we talk about her biceps? Because like she's going to be tied with her arms behind her back, but her arms are beautifully like muscular. And yeah, I, th- there's just been a few shots of her, and they'll continue on when they start moving her around. Where like she looks like she can take them, but she doesn't.
3: Okay, but here's something. Here's something else they also had to do. They had to like the makeup band had to come on during the commercial. <laughs> and yeah, that the uh, uh, wound ketchup. on uh, yeah on his forehead or temple.
1: Is it ketchup or catsup at the makeup department? <laughs> 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 Red stuff. <laughs> Barry, lay still, I gotta apply this to your temple. Anyway.
0: Yeah. The chief is just like waving that gun around.
6: It is a Mauser, uh 1934 Mauser. There you go. I just looked it up on my uh <laughs> my trusty uh I I am uh F D B hmm. Look at her arms. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Put those muscular. guns
2: away. <laughs> Seriously.
1: <laughs> they're
8: like envy worthy. Like, I want arms that look like that.
6: Yeah. I wouldn't mind arms that look like that either. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and a waist like that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. I forget if I mentioned this before, but like, okay. Bond never calls himself Jimmy in this. Nope. Lots of other people do,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: Bond doesn't. At one point, he's on the phone and says, this is James Bond. And, so, also credited um, as James Bond. Right, yeah. in the end titles, Barry Nelson as James Bond.
0: I think uh, it's a way of Fleming and Bond snobs putting this down, calling it Jimmy Bond. Oh, mm-hmm.
3: yes. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, we mentioned this earlier. There are like tons of people who said, I hate this. Have you ever watched it? No, I refuse <laughs> to watch it.
4: It's, it's so crap, I will never see it.
8: <laughs> and yet they're wrong. This is entertaining.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 here's the, here's the thing. This, this is more like a televised play than yeah. it is a movie. And in the mid-1980s, it was then called Glidrose, but Ian Fleming Publications did commission a play to be Written based right. on Casino Royale, mm, yeah. and it was written by Raymond Benson, who would you know yep. a decade later would write the continuation novels. And they had a um, we read up on this last night. So I mean, they had a reading with actors, and they brought in the again. It was called Oh, Glidrose I didn't know it had gone that far. Yeah, and they brought in the Glidrose people to you know, and but then Glidrose got cold feet, so now forget it, and then. A few you, you know, then later, of course, Eon got the rights to Casino Royale, so it was never ever gonna be made, but uh yeah, an actual but do, play do, version
4: but do of Do you this. know a, a bond stage play is it feels like the right thing for Barbara Broccoli to do since she's so into yeah. stage?
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: never no, really.
3: It, well, and, no, and, and, and yeah, the first ver- kind, kind
0: of scale adventure is just perfectly suited for it.
3: And, you know, the first time I ever interviewed Raymond Benson was in the uh, late 90s. And he told me about this play. And apparently, as he conceived it, Bond would have been naked on the stage, you know, for the torture scene. Um, now having not, had, never had a chance to actually read that play, I don't know how effective that would have been in its depiction. But, you know, that was the intention anyway.
2: Sure.
6: I personally would quite like to see a Bond stage play. I think it would uh, would be something. I'd
5: definitely go and see it. You know, I mean, sure. I think- but would they would they have the restraint to do it in an interesting, dramatic way? It would be like a uh, Spider Man turn off the dark and go full full song and dance.
6: Oh yeah, I, I guess I would. Uh, yeah, that's an interesting way of looking at. Would it be like a? you know like a like a huge production would it be like a you know one of those kind of i think they did like right. something for Batman as well um i i think it would be work for me better like a kind of a an off west end small theater kind of yeah well, it
0: would, it would have to be a big enough theater where you could drive a db5 onto the stage <laughs> 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 Because yeah, otherwise okay. it's not otherwise it's not a proper james bond production
4: well, g- given what they did with Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, I, I I didn't see it, but um, uh, you know, having all you know the whole car and uh, taking off and all that kind of stuff on, on stage, uh, they would have a DB five absolutely.
6: But I know I, I kind of feel like I'd like it to be more like the play that goes wrong, you know, like a like a smaller kind of self more contained thing, I guess.
0: What's put- that production where every night they have a different person playing a part? one of the parts and Roger Moore was one of
6: them
1: <laughs> Roger oh, Moore was one of on the
0: parts? Uh, every, there's a there's a production on Broadway where every night they had yeah. a different person play this specific part and it was like the cameo huh and, and, and does, Roger everybody, did it one does
6: everybody have to do a Roger Moore impression is that like once more? <laughs> I don't mind coming on that's that's my that's, the, that's my Roger Moore impression thank you very much that's, that's very good, good. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much,
3: <laughs> I'm here through Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
6: yeah, um, I can't. I can't remember James, but I do know what you mean. But I, so, rog, so Roger was one of them, was he? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. We'll uh, we'll put that in the in the in the cliff notes for this episode or whatever. It is. Okay. So, um, good thing that was an she- air dryer.
3: Lashiv <laughs> was careless with his uh, cigarette case that had one of his three razor blades, because he was showing it off earlier in the casino scene where he's got it open. Hey, here's my
0: razor blade with my cigarettes. The, uh, the Gillette product tie-in, is yeah. razor blade.
6: <laughs> but he also, um, it's also Back
0: in the day when you only by, needed three to shave your face. Mentioned
6: by Lighter as well. Lighter tells him that, he, well, he always carries three three blades on him and this is where he keeps them.
8: But like when he holds her hostage with the razor blade I I, I get it. I get that it's there and I get that it's part of the story but I'm just like I just kept thinking to myself with those guns woman you can take him. Like he just (laughs) has a razor blade a tiny little razor blade you can literally just push his hand away and be fine. So I I, I don't think it's the most sinister (laughs) I don't think it's the most sinister threatening weapon that you could have selected.
3: Meanwhile, I will give give props to one thing. It's like Bond's kind of, he's struggling a bit. You know, he's he's had his toes yanked on with pliers. So he's not just jumping up and, you know, he's not, you know, he's, yeah, he overcomes a guy, but he's, you know,
5: he's not doing it the most smoothly.
4: If if it just took a a bit of um, work on his toes, just imagine what would have happened if they worked on his balls.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Really? Especially with the pliers.
6: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David, as the as the uh, uh, well, to anybody basically. But am I am I right in saying that um, in the original novel, it's Bond who has concealed blades, one in his shoe and one strapped to his. No, core. it's Leshyfra. Oh, like it is, in it is, his
5: hat it, band or something. Leshyf had it, I think. Yeah, he described um, in his dark. Yeah,
6: I wasn't. I couldn't quite remember, but like they they do it. So it is taken from the novel.
2: Yeah. yeah.
8: Maybe, by the way, people think that it's Peter Lorre that gets up because the hench person in the bathroom who Bond knocked out got up. So maybe those people see that person get up yeah. and assume that it was Peter Lorre getting up.
1: Hmm. I don't know.
0: That play I mentioned was called The Play What I Wrote that Roger Moore appeared in. And um, so did Ralph Fiennes. But um, yeah. the reason I remembered it is because Roger Moore had a heart attack during. <laughs> Oh, my God. Mm.
6: But it went on. Still
0: went on. Yeah. So now we're switching into the original ending, which was missed by... A, there
6: was a jump there, so I
4: reckon it's yeah, been
0: yeah t- up t- t- and, t- and, and, the, and the contrast increased
3: once the jump mm. took place. Oh, right now it's, it's changed again. again. Yeah. Mm. Mr. Bard, razor. My razor blade. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. Tipped with poison? What's the... No, nope. it's just a razor. It's she just, just you know, little, Went to the drugstore. Went to the pharmacy. Yeah.
4: She could she's take the him.
6: Man, the best the man really
4: yeah. get <laughs> her, her arms are not
8: even tied together. Like she can yeah. legit take him.
6: Yeah, she could just elbow him.
5: Mm. It's Kick not him in the, the script. Like <laughs> <laughs> she has so a completely gone from the the other versions. Yeah. Yes. It's like important info.
4: Yes. Yeah, yeah, it just suddenly ends in the MGM version.
7: It's yeah. so bizarre. Aww.
5: So their their print of climax was missing the. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
8: Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. It basically ends with him holding the gun and saying "Call the police," which is the version I saw, and yeah. I was like, "Really? That's it?
5: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. why
8: we're that's why we're gonna we're gonna
5: yeah. leave stuff." No, well, we, we've looped back now. So. It's yeah. Tantric oh, right. version of. Yeah, <laughs> and now this guy's selling you something.
6: <laughs> and on to Danger Five, yeah.
1: Yes. <laughs> Tic Tacs <laughs> for that moment, for
6: that close moment. Well, that hour just flew by.
0: <laughs> well, we well, think I'd about see. this? Having the announcer wrap it up is smart because they don't know the exact runtime, so this guy can fill if he needs to, yep. or he can just like. Right. And thanks very much see you next week. <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> well, and 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 in some of the other episodes, I saw, I said. Oh, let's meet Lloyd Nolan. He'll be in next week's show. And Lloyd Nolan comes out. Oh, we'll be doing this. Well, sounds great, Lloyd. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> and yeah,
0: uh, here are the actual original end titles. You know,
5: yeah, with the shoe, like poetry, shoe, yeah. too, and right, a smoking
0: yeah, sh- cigarette. <laughs> Shot from my conspiracy theory second table. Probably. Barry Nelson
3: as James Bond, not as Jimmy Bond. Valerie Mass. Mm. Oh. And your host, William Melendykin.
7: Ah, oh, Michael Pate does get credit. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah. I'm gonna have to call him Michael Pate from there. <laughs> Pate from there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: So uh, yeah,
6: this is this is uh, yeah, So
4: Bennett. who was the first person to direct a James Bond
3: thing? Billy Brown, Production. Mm. William H. Brown. Mm. I call him Billy.
4: <laughs> you know, <Billy>
3: Brown. <laughs> and uh, there we done. go well yeah right think, at the very end the credit for zoltan i think the uh credits got a little cut off in that print too
0: but anyway
3: yeah. but can't help that
1: <laughs> well
6: uh, yeah.
0: catch zoltan i don't think he's in the original casino reality
6: uh i, I, I guess um but as a big fan of Danger Five, I was kind of expecting the production values to be around Danger Five levels. Um, so that's why I guess I'm a bit more surprised at how um, how good the uh, good the, the production design. I you know I I, I recognize that it's not um, you know up to Peter Lamont's um, standards of Berlin apartments. Um, <laughs> But it, it's it's very good. Um, all things considered. Yeah, and, it, it, exactly. It, it it's, it's clearly of
4: its time, and it's clearly of uh, it's clearly within the limitations of live television. But they, they did a good job on it. They did a really good
0: job on it.
6: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I
0: think TV productions would struggle to do it today.
6: Mm. Yeah, I, I, and and to and not only just that, but like to to get. As a live piece, you know to get everybody you know falling into the, all the ducks in in a row, so to speak um i i think it's a, I think it's a real achievement and having having not seen this before um i i mean this is this is my kind of raw reaction to it it's just that it's a lot better than I thought it was going to be um and uh, actually I enjoyed it. You better delete
4: all those forum posts saying how crap it is for the last (laughs) 20
3: years. Well, Well, and as I said at the start of the recording, I defend this at least to a degree. And it's like, was having Bond be American optimal? No. But again, in the context, this is an American TV show when Bond was like not a big thing. Right. And... You know, and and here's the other, and, and also just in the context of the show, okay, they're adapting works by Raymond Chandler, uh, Robert Louis Stevenson, Mark Twain. All of those people are like a lot, well, better known to American audiences than Ian Fleming was in the fall of 1954. So it's like, yeah, yeah. And, and plus, you know, if you've been assigned to adapt this, yeah, and you got to squeeze this into like 50, uh, roughly a 50 minute runtime. You know, it's like,
0: you've got to like make a. It's not easy. There will be people out there whose first Bond experience was watching this live when it came out and who might have liked it and read an Ian Fleming book and then became a Bond fan.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. I sure. The odds, <laughs> of, the odds of that are pretty good because I know people whose introduction to Bond was James Bond Jr. <laughs> as a kid's kid uh, became a
7: Bond And so. James Bond Jr. <laughs> I, I've,
4: I've never seen James Bond Jr. Oh. Oh my. Oh.
6: Can we
8: do a watch along for yes.
4: one of
6: those? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. It.
8: <laughs> watch what you say.
4: You yeah. did it now, David. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no, no. No. Phil and I will just go off and do our own James Bond podcast and we'll watch yeah. along something else.
5: <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm in, man. Come on. I, I remember the toys. Wasn't Dr. Noah like, actually green? <laughs> like yes. like uh, yeah, he he mustache. You mustache. Yeah. The mustache
1: if you can chew. Yeah. It's and there, were,
8: there was Gordo lighter who was like a surfer yeah. dude.
1: They
2: somehow yeah. made
5: to know more problematic. Yes. Yes. Feet. <laughs> <laughs> what other novels could they have turned into a live drama like this from from Fleming's canon? They would have to maybe go to the short stories, I guess, right?
0: Mm. Well, some, of the, some of the short yeah. stories, the locations and the scope. Yeah. I mean, they, you, you know, like, could you do a motorcycle chase? Yeah, that's. I cool. oh, yeah. really? no. um, Hildebrand Rarity takes
3: mm.
7: place
3: takes place on a yacht. All you yep. have to do is have insert shots of a yacht at sea, and then right. like everything is can yeah, That's true. That
4: would be
6: a, an interesting one to. For-
4: that, yeah, and that they could say, "Oh, yeah, we oh, we just got back from this um, desert island, and there, there was this fish, and oh, yeah, it's a shame that you had to scare it away and poison it, and all that kind of stuff." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah about really fishing.
3: <laughs> Um, a uh, a late friend of mine did a make believe movie poster for a Alfred Hitchcock adaptation of the Hildebrand Rarity. Well and- I
7: love that. Yeah, you you yeah. shared it again recently. I, I really really like it. Oh, yeah. I'd love to see it. I'll um. Well, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll send
3: you. I'll send you the art because yeah. that's all that exists. But I mean, he made just one slight flub up, which was it, the poster says produced and directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Hitchcock never took the producer yeah.
0: credit, but other than that, it's like a perfect poster. So and the, it, e- the easiest one to do, but the least Bondy would be Quantum of yeah. 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 It's just table you know. conversation
7: mm I, yeah, but, but,
4: yeah, but, but, yeah, I mean the, the only thing about that is if you were going to shoot that, you would have Bond and the governor sitting down with at the dinner party and then uh, Bond and the governor sitting down having drinks and then it would be all done in flashback, wouldn't it? <laughs> right. so, that, uh, so that screws that <laughs> idea really.
3: That's right yeah. well it would be like I remember and then like, that's, <laughs> that's, because well in fact, one of the best Alfred Hitchcock presents. Episodes was done all in flashback, where William Shatner is talking about his late older sister falling in love with some guy. It turns out he was uh, forget. Look it up. It's it's. Uh, yeah. But it was told in all okay. flashback. It can be done.
4: Well, one short story that you could do uh, is probably the Living Daylights. Mm-hmm.
3: Yes, <laughs> yeah. that would be great. Yeah,
6: yeah. I would a hundred percent be down to watch that i think that that would be even easier to do than casino royale yes really.
4: absolutely it would yes because it, it, it you you could, could you could have it all within the berlin apartment you you don't it need to be,
6: it would be like uh hitchcock's rear window hmm. basically you could have like the, the, the you could have the, the no man's land between um bonds bonds like bonds hotel and um you know you you could literally have the no man's land of like the berlin wall in that in that sort of space that would be really interesting
3: in in terms of live tv toward the later part of the live tv era they would do pre-recorded segments because i saw this playhouse 90 was about mussolini and mm. so they like mixed pre-recorded stuff most of it's you know live in a studio but they did do this other stuff so it's like with uh, the living daylights okay you have you know, bond at the target range. You know, getting ready to go off on this
0: mission, and then the live segments are like, you know, in that Berlin apartment. The only problem with doing Living Daylights is a live as a stage thing would be it's all set at night.
2: Hmm,
1: that's true.
0: Um, so doing I, interiors in the dark is tough. I
7: thought they did this cool. pretty well, actually, with like the light coming through the window and stuff yeah. uh, towards the end. More thing yeah
6: i think it's interesting that, uh, so i was watching um i think it was like the third season of jessica jones uh w- where there has to be a fight between jessica jones and the um, and her sister in total darkness but obviously that doesn't you know that doesn't translate very well so what you end up doing is being able to see them perfectly and jessica jones is just there going i can't see anything around me <laughs> and, yeah, and it just doesn't work. So I think hmm. James is sort of right. You kind of, you know, in order to do that, you'd have to, you'd have to, the lighting would be a very crucial part of selling that.
2: Hmm.
6: But mind you, it's the same with this, this um, hmm. Casino Royale, when they do the scene where they're playing the music to hide their voices over the microphone. And mm. on paper, that sounds like, yeah, you just play the music in the background. And actually, all it does is really distract the hell out of you from what yeah. they're actually saying.
0: Mm. So I'm still in my mind, I'm looking at, I'm thinking about like that rear window comparison you made to Living Daylights where you could have forced perspective on the stage and yeah. have Trigger on one side doing her thing yeah. in her building Bond on the other and,
4: uh, yeah, uh, and uh, cool. Okay, and b- basically you, you blast the whole stage with light, but the whole set's black and the actors are dressed in black.
6: Ooh. <laughs> or you just have the searchlights from um yeah. you wall know, oh, well. just occasionally kind of like glancing in and
4: well, you, you could have them sweeping across the stage continually, and and the yeah. whole thi- the whole thing's black. But it, uh, it, yeah, m- maybe it's got so, some some you know, white, and so it, it's all very high contrast.
6: You're kind of, so you're kind of saying like um, uh, that. What is that? Uh, that Sin City you kind of mm, almost yes, tri- like a black and white version of it. That could work, I suppose. Mm.
4: Okay, we we need to pitch this to Barbara.
6: Yeah, right. I, I'm guessing she's going to say no. But- <laughs> <laughs> They're not nope. busy right
1: now, right?
0: <laughs> so, Lisa, you hadn't experienced this before today.
8: No, and what I've we, experienced...
0: What we- Go ahead. How low, how low were your expectations and how did you come out of it?
8: Well, we had just watched Casino Royale 67. You know, last week, and I was like, "Oh God, um, what is this gonna be?" and so I've watched it twice within about three hours, and I really liked it. I was watching it when I was working out, and so it kept me engaged and I even delayed calling my parents because I needed to finish it, even though the version I saw didn't have the full ending, and I got confused and perplexed, and then you sent me the right ending, and then I was fine. Um, but I also had a conversation with my dad who had never heard of this one, and so he's okay. gonna be looking it up and he's gonna listen to the podcast um and and he's excited to hear what we have to say. But I actually thought it was really good it it to me, it's just it's a throwback to you know, sort of old black and white movies. Um, again, I sort of have given my thoughts about the music now that I know that it was a live production. Um, I just thought it was really interesting and kind of melodramatic. And now that I think about it, quite innovative compared to the way that we have um, a lot of oversight in our in our current uh, media system. And even when I think about Saturday Night Live... There's always gaffes, There's always mix-ups. There's always actors sort of laughing um, about missed lines. And with them, you can laugh along because it's a comedy. But this, this is a serious portrayal. And I thought they did a really good, overall, they did a really good job. And of course, if it has Peter Laurie in it, I'm going to really enjoy it. So it, it, it. I had, didn't really have expectations. I thought, oh gosh, here's another, just another one of these, you know, Casino Royale films. And I, to me, it definitely, it's it, it ranks a lot higher than Casino Royale sixty seven. I mean, it's half the time, um, and it actually makes sense. It's like there's like a like a plot, and they're the same <laughs> actors, and they make it from a starting point <laughs> to an end point. and you, you kind ask of for a, so much,
7: Lisa, out you know, of your I mean, narrative like, it's entertainment.
2: A <laughs>
8: So, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed, I I really enjoyed, even though I found like Jimmy Bond to be a little like, I don't know how I feel about Jimmy Bond, but I think it for what it is, I think it really works. And I really hope that, you know, anybody listening to this podcast, if you haven't seen it, if you're just sort of listening to our watch along, that you just give it a shot because it really is, I think a special little element in the world of Bond.
4: Absolutely.
3: Well, and again, I'll just repeat, you know, the context is, this was done at a time where there were like exactly two James Bond novels. This is the first adaptation of Fleming. Now, is it perfect? By all means no. I think it might get a little more fan love if they hadn't, you know, switched the nationalities between Bond and Leiter, you know, have a British actor, you know, play Bond, have an American play Leiter. I, I suspect this would get a lot more love That's um, a Great point. Or at least a lot you know, it'd be a lot more forgiving. Yeah. And again, and again, the, I go back to the whole card sense, Jimmy Bond thing. Bond never calls himself that, but you know, yes, that gets repeated a lot. I understand that, but like people jump on that basically as justification for not watching it. And, um, yeah. And, and, and again, this is what was going on on American television in the mid 1950s. And, you know, live TV dramas were a big thing then. That era eventually passed, you know, roughly by the end of that decade, certainly by the beginning of the 60s. But, um, no, it, it, it deserves to be remembered. And, and we're I, and again, we're kind of lucky it even survived, no, you know, I to be found
4: absolutely. in the early 80s. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I mean, the, the thing really about it is that, uh, I don't think any of us wants Bond films to be, become like, uh, Casino Royale 54, uh, <laughs> Anybody? No, no. Cal- Calvin? <laughs> nope, nope, nope. <laughs> no, <laughs> and, nope. <laughs> uh, but it, it's uh, you can't compare something that was made in 1954 and was filmed live and for television with filmmaking today, and you mm-hmm. can't you can't compare it with entertainment today at all. Mm-hmm. You you need to completely um, you you need to put your head in the context of of when it was uh, when it was filmed and and I, I assume it was it aired on a Saturday night and probably uh, a Saturday night in 1954 it was pretty thrilling stuff
0: sure so, you, you yeah, know, and watched by, watched by an awful lot of people I
4: imagine yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: millions yes. of people because yeah. there
3: were only like three yeah. networks yeah. and at that point ABC was like a half a network so yeah. it's like two and a half networks in, in the US
4: and, and so, you know, it, and, unless you watch it uh, understanding or, or, or trying to understand a bit of the context, then uh, you, you, you're sure. going to fail. And it, certainly if you go into it thinking that it's a crap um, attempt at doing James Bond, then you're not going to like it. <laughs> but uh, if you haven't seen it, you, you should. Um, it, it's only an hour. It, you're probably mm-hmm. wasting more than an hour of your day on on Instagram. So, uh, <laughs> you're listening to
1: us
5: <laughs> yeah. for, for, for snobs <laughs> and for context, even if you even if, if you want to be snobby about it, the Criterion Collection has a great box set called The Golden Age of Television, and you can see some of the contemporary pieces of programming that we're running alongside this stuff, like Marty and Patterns and Requiem for a Heavyweight. Which, by the way, when the BBC did Requiem for a Heavyweight, it starred Sean Connery. Uh, and that's yeah. you. Yeah, so you so tweeted lost, that, yeah. But the audio has been found, so I'm going to listen to it and imagine. I guess, but I really love this period of television because it's such a singular moment in history. Like as someone said, as Bill said, by six, by 1960 it was over. But in the early years of television, they they were deciding what television even is, and the idea that they were mounting live, you know, go for broke stage productions to be broadcast live across to the entire country is just a really thrilling, exciting thing that you don't see too much of anymore. Yeah.
0: And also, so, um, it was a Thursday night, not a Saturday night. I um, but here's the thing. Um, it ranked the 22nd, the climax series was the 22nd watch most, most watched series in America that year. They got between nine and 10 million viewers, mm-hmm. okay. which, which today
7: outside yeah. of life
0: sports <laughs> yeah. it does not happen.
7: Right? Yeah. And they were and, the 22nd and- rank with that viewership. That's yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and,
3: and also just tie the loop on, um, on just live TV of that era, I mean, some live TV dramas were then expanded and turned into movies. Right. Twelve Angry Men, Marty, and Marty, right,
5: uh, yeah. among- and patterns. patterns, Patterns. Those three, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was considered um, legitimate art at the time, uh but I guess not. You know, Howdy duty wasn't, but you know, they're all using the same tech, um so you know, right. the spectrum. There was a spectrum of quality, uh but I do think it's an important moment in, in uh, audiovisual history, at any rate
4: yeah in fact what what you were saying um uh, a couple of minutes ago Phil is quite interesting that they they were uh, i don't remember how, how you phrased it exactly but you 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 said that they were uh they were trying to decide what television was and i i think that that's actually a really really good point because um you know the, this the, this the, what they clearly thought television was uh akin to the theater and so it was like putting the theater mm-hmm. in the home and uh, you know uh these days it's
0: the I think, phrase home yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah
4: yeah 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 clue there uh, but uh, but you, you know I, I remember in the uk they, they used to have you know um television plays but they they, they were never live the ones that i saw they uh, so just
0: stuck a camera at the palladium didn't they
4: uh, yeah I guess or yeah.
0: Well, well, Crystal Palace and they uh, just filmed whatever performance mm, was on Saturday night mm, and then when it was over they switched the network off mm. I, I was about to say that
3: in America the peak of live television was the advent of Playhouse 90 mm-hmm. which was the name was because it was 90 minutes instead of just an hour and um, I've seen some of those on YouTube you know again they're kinescopes but I mean they're promoting the writers as much as the actors yeah, so writer like medium So for a while yeah, especially Rod Serling. It's like written especially for Playhouse 90 by Rod Serling. Yeah, would, to- I would
4: really love it if they pushed writers more these days because uh,
5: the writers seem to be
4: so overlooked so much of the time. Sure.
0: Yeah. BB Wallerbridge says, "Hold my beer." Aaron.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Aaron Sorkin, you get the outliers, but it's it's. Yeah. Uh- But then they they, they push the writers into showrunner positions and and they're overseeing a writer's room now. So it's not as uh, uh, authorial, I guess. Well, and
3: also with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, she's as much a performer as as she is a writer. So that's a – I mean, she's a special case just by herself.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
7: I I really do agree with – everything that david said about this being a really sort you know you have to watch it in the context in which it was made to appreciate it and get the most out of it and understand it because i would hate to think that you know uh, people who got into the bond films in the 80s 90s noughties you know wh- whatever would just go to this and just sort of dismiss it immediately as you know uh whatever boring or or not terribly well produced obviously it needs to be viewed in that context and i think as a historical piece as a, a thing for you know Major Bond aficionados to seek out and watch. I think it's necessary um, as a piece of entertainment by itself. I've been more entertained with other, you know, US TV productions from the 50s that I've seen, which is which is you know entirely restricted to Alfred Hitchcock presents and the occasional Twilight Zone. Um, so I, I I'm never gonna you know have a spare Sunday afternoon uh, Home Alone. Gonna think, oh yeah, I'm gonna put on the 1954 Casino Royale and just relax with that. That's never going to happen because I I, I don't think...
4: You you do need to make an effort, I know, yeah.
2: (laughs) And, and, and 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 it's worth
7: doing that. It's worth making that effort, I think. If you are a huge Bond aficionado and you want to be a completist and I think it is important to see kind of where Bond could have gone like you know presumably there were 50 other episodes of Climax that year adaptations by other writers I know that Alfred Hitchcock presents so many episodes of that were adaptations from short stories and novelists and all this kind of thing and it's really interesting to think that James Bond could have just ended up as like a adapted into a few tv shows in the 1950s and that's it like uh, you know a lot of writers kind of just had their stuff adapted in that way well remember
3: Fleming tried to like do a uh, tv show what was it something Colonel Gunn Gunn. or James James
1: James Gunn Gunn. Gunn. yes
3: and and then when that didn't sell he like used some of the storylines and recycled them into you know the for your eyes only short story collection and Mm. also just as a real quick footnote to that era of tv so like back then you'd have a single sponsor for the whole show which meant the single sponsor had a lot of input into the show and one reason why rod serling ended up doing the twilight zone was because you had all these obnoxious sponsors like wanting to rewrite his stuff or it's like you can't say this because it might offend our customers and this kind of stuff so he did the Twilight Zone basically as a way of using science fiction and fantasy to make the same points he had been making on live TV dramas. And there's this, I think it's 1959 interview with Mike Wallace and Rod Serling, where Mike Wallace is basically accusing Rod Serling of being a sellout. And Serling is trying to explain to him that it's like, no, I can like I can say this thing without sponsor uh interference by putting it in science fiction and fantasy. And yep.
4: Yeah, uh, uh, science fiction is one of the ways that. Well, like, science fiction in Russia was very strong because they were able to uh, get under the radar that way. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's 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 uh, it's, it's uh, a common thing.
0: I was thinking, apart from the the whole like making Bond American for this, which mm-hmm. definitely, I mean, there's there's people in that family that still push against this production. Yes, um, I know. Um, <laughs> so. I wonder how much of the snobbery against this is because it's in black and white. And I was thinking when we were watching this, it's like in the metaverse, Broccoli and Saltzman get together earlier, they get the legal stuff done quicker, and they produce Dr. No in like, or Thunderbolt in 60. Right, or the first movie in sixty one and sixty two. First Bond movie could have been in black and white.
4: Yeah, we talked about this before in one of the very earlier episodes, in fact. Yeah.
0: And yeah. and I mean, it was uh, right on the cusp. And yeah. I wonder if, if, if the first one or two Bond movies were in black and white, whether they would be treated like this ugly stepchild in mm. the franchise. And
4: well, discount- well, in, in a way, Doctor No is treated as as a as a stepchild in, in I think right. in many Thanks.
5: Um, well let's be fair it would they would it would be beautifully shot in black and white this is this is a grubby looking you know doopy. Yeah, yeah like i think that there would still be an aesthetic to be appreciated in the thing it it would get sort of compartmentalized by a certain level of fandom
3: well, well mm-hmm. it's, it, it also um at one point columbia was kind of interested in broccoli and saltzman but like we could mm. like maybe give you four hundred thousand dollars instead of a million that right. UA gave. So um, I'm
0: thinking like you know TV marathons, they just like skip them because they're in black and white. Right. Well, and, and TV and TV shows have trouble. You know where um,
3: part of the seasons are in black and white, and part in color. Sometimes you know they you know the syndicators don't really push the black and white episodes; they push the color ones. Um, <laughs> That happens a lot.
5: It happened. There was an opposite effect when when Dark Shadows hit syndication because they would run them from a certain number and they would end up always canceling it before they got to the color episodes. (laughs) So it was like 15 years before I got to see it in color um, just because it it was so so late and it never caught on the way they would want it to. And so the color episodes didn't manifest. So Lisa, in the beginning, you said you didn't really buy... um,
0: I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you didn't really buy Barry Nelson's an American bond with a crew cut kind of fitting into that scene. Um, how do you feel about the other performances other than Peter Lorian?
8: Uh, yeah. It's an interesting thing because <sighs> yeah, like I'm thinking about this as being more of an American production. So it makes sense to have an American bond and how, the text would be interpreted through that type of performance. And so in that line, especially without having other adaptations to go from, I can understand the performance. It's just I've had a lifetime of seeing a different type of performance. And so it looks a little bit jarring. But if I was to take him out of it, I thought, every, I thought everybody else worked. I thought everything else, all the other actors were solid. They played their roles. I found it interesting that it was Valerie Mathis and they were trying to con- combine the characters that it wasn't Vesper Mathis, which I think would have really been a way to sort of solidify and amalgamate those those characters uh, together in one single solitary form. Um, although I, yeah, and, and I can understand sort of reducing it down and reducing the players. It's interesting because there was one person, it was the dude, was it the dude who fumbled with the gun? At first, the you know, when he not 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 the long gun, but the 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 hidden gun when he was going after lighter, he looked like Bond to me, who I would think with you sort of the darker hair, the slicked back. Um, but overall I found the actors to be on point. I wasn't really questioning anybody's acting abilities. You know, I I felt that they were connected with their characters. Um, and I did feel as though the actor who played Bond, whose name again just escapes me, it's not even staying in my mind. What was his name? Barry Nelson. Barry Nelson, but I did think that he committed to the role. I mean, I did believe him, you know, in the bathtub, and I did believe his physical performance. Um, and I, I, I was a little surprised at how hard he hit the 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 guy who was guarding the bathroom. Like, I mean, he smacked him down over the head. I'm pretty sure he probably hit him. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely appreciated the. Re- I don't have a complaint about the rest of the the performances. It's just it's an odd thing to be used to James Bond being a, one particular nationality, and it's a it it opens up the question. If you watch this, you know, is there really room in the Eon world of Bond for an American to play James Bond, and not an American with, you know, an English accent, but. An American with an American accent, and it, 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 do you lose something? Is he no longer James Bond if you take him outside of MI6? If you take him away from you know this entire context, and so maybe that's what I was a bit struggling with because he just seemed like he was like there's there's a gentlemanly aspect that comes from. You know the British lover literary tradition that I felt was a bit lacking, but he kissed. I mean, he kissed Valerie right. pretty passionately. And, um,
0: and so. yeah, the, the British character shoves people around in the casino. <laughs>
8: Honestly, the, I have to say that's one of my favorite parts. Now that we've talked about it, we're just rubs for no reason. There's space, and he's like, "I'm going to push people." It's not a mosh pit.
0: What do you think about Linda Christian in the in the in the other than her arms being, you know? <laughs>
8: I thought that she. I mean, she reminds me of the typical woman that I would expect to see in a nineteen fifties movie, and and I, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if that's saying a lot or saying a little. But to me, she just reminds me of all the women in that time. Um, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not emotionally moved by her one way or another. So I thought that she held her own. But am I compelled the way that Eva Green's Vesper Lynd moved me? No.
0: I remember being surprised when. She passed away in 2011. We wrote, wrote a robot bit up as you know, she was the first Bond girl, right screens first Bond girl. Mm-hmm. She's Mexican.
2: Whoa! Oh, really?
0: Yeah. But that was quite a common thing on US TV of the time. It was like Mexican and Canadians were just
1: mm-hmm.
0: peered as Americans, and nobody knew any different. Yep. Yeah. She was quite famous in, in the day.
8: Hmm. And she had great arms. Like I know that we said great yeah,
0: yeah.
2: arms,
8: but like, gosh, like goals right there. Hashtag goals. Those arms. It's impressive.
4: So we, we need the Valerie Mathis workout.
2: Hey, you to look The it arm can, workout.
4: Um,
8: it goes with your pussy galore judo self defense. I mean, we can have like an entire collection of like, and then the Michelle Yo or the Weyland version of like martial arts. Like, you could really have a market here.
0: Maybe we really. <laughs> i'm more of the elliot carver martial ask no. <laughs> oh, <geez>. skill level <laughs> uh
3: can i say a quick thing about barry nelson just um not the ideal bond but just that you know he did have a long very productive career as an actor anytime you can do a half century or better as a working actor it's like you've had a pretty good career and uh you know he did broadway plays he did lots of guest star shots on U.S. television, and yeah, I mean, he was in The Shining. Again, he was in The Shining. He was, he was in the Airport. airport. Mm-hmm. He was in Airport as the pilot with uh, Dean Martin as his co-pilot, um, mm-hmm. and other things. Just anyway, just yeah, you know, he he was a solid actor, and just yeah. You know, but again, he gets he gets trashed by by some Bond fans.
7: How dare an American play Bond? I'm surprised at that. I mean, it's yeah. It's not like it's his fault. He was he was turning <laughs> no. up for a job that is, you know, agent got him, and I don't begrudge him for that at all. Like, like I said earlier on, I think it's quite sweet, really, that reading the you know sort of little interviews that he's done here and there on the on the part, yeah. and he always just comes across really humble and really kind of like, oh well, yeah, no, it's kind of cool that it's ended up being this massive thing. Um, obviously, I didn't know it would be at the time. It was just a job, and you know. Well, uh, and,
3: and also, again, you know, the thing was rediscovered in the 80s. <laughs> so mm. it's like he probably had you know, like he probably I don't know if he had forgotten about it, but like he was probably like surprised he even got questions about it after a while because mm. like, oh, yeah, people saw that. I, I haven't if there was seen a, that in
7: decades. I do wonder if there was a point in like the mid 60s or something where he was like, oh, didn't I play a guy called James Bond in something once? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Ben, you're back.
6: Yeah, I'll very, I'll very briefly say. I mean, I've I've said most mostly what I wanted to say, which is is that uh, um, echoing a lot of people's thoughts here, which is that um, I think for the time, it's a it's a it's an incredible production for for what it is. Um, I think it is part of a completists um, collection. I guess um, I I hadn't seen it before, but I'm glad that I now have um, and. Much like Calvin says, I wouldn't uh, necessarily just stick this on on an afternoon for for enjoyment's sake, but uh, I think there is a lot to be gleaned from it, and uh, it's remarkable to see what um what you can achieve with the limitations, uh not just financially but um technically uh that are that obviously applied to, to to a production of this sort. And I think it I think it's stands mm. pretty well considering.
5: Mm,
0: yeah. All right, so have we now exhausted the uh, typical canon? I think we have. Oh, yes.
5: Going to the cartoon next. So
0: we're yeah. going to the cartoon. All right, we will see you next week for Animated Adventures, <laughs> which Eon will exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys.
2: fun. Uh, bye. Bye.
6: bye. 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 <laughs>